0: Hello, welcome to the Servative Hour, an hour of political commentary, Your calls welcome. thought I might start out with a weather report, I'm looking at the weather radar. Uh, there's a storm on the way, should be getting here any moment. And uh, a bit more of the weather, it's now 69 degrees Fahrenheit winds north at 10 miles per hour gusting up to 23 miles per hour. Uh, tonight a low of 60 degrees Fahrenheit. 39 uh, percent chance of precipitation. say so might be a little more than that and then tomorrow a high of 80 degrees with uh, still a 34 percent chance of precipitation. And you might hear of the storm on its way show. Oh, but more on that later. <laughs> This is a monthly test of the emergency alert system for broadcast stations and cable systems of Nebraska in cooperation with the FCC and other government authorities. Equipment is being tested that can quickly provide warnings during emergencies. If this had been an actual emergency, official information, news, or instructions would have followed the alert tone. This concludes this test of the emergency alert system. Is only a test of the emergency alert system and not a storm alert all right well the topic for this April 18th 2023 is comparing crime statistics and discussing causes and effects political ads spark clash over Lincoln crime statistics this is uh it says it was an hour ago, but I think it was up there a little bit earlier. It's by Matt Chibi and Veronica Barreto from KLKNTV.com. Lincoln, Nebraska. As we get closer to Lincoln's general election, you might see a flood of TV ads. Experts say political ads are just like normal ads. They are trying to persuade viewers. Quote, a lot of times what they're aimed at is just don't vote for the other person, said Kevin Smith, a political science professor at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. In other words, it's not get the vote for me, it's suppress the vote for the other person. <clears throat> Many of the ads in this election are focused on crime and law enforcement. Former Lincoln Police Chief Tom Cassidy, who has endorsed Mayor Learon Gaylor-Baird, says the ads claiming that crime is out of control in Lincoln are wrong. Quote, Crime is actually falling quite a bit since it peaked in 1991, Cassidy said. You have less of a chance of being a victim of crime today than you did, way less than in 1991. According to data from the city's website, the crime rate per 100,000 people was 7,043 in 1990. In 2022, that number was slashed by more than half, dropping to 3,280. But former Nebraska State Patrol Superintendent Tom Nesbitt, who backs former state Senator Suzanne Geist, said... Crime is a concern among voters. They can say all they want about crime being down, but the fact of the matter is, the most heinous crime of murder is up, Nesbitt said. The Lincoln Police Department has noted that despite the increase in homicides, violent crimes overall are down compared with previous years lpd counts four offenses as violent crime homicide rape robbery and aggravated assault the most recent data from lpd covers january 1st through april 9th violent crime in that period was down by 22 percent compared with the average from that same period in each of the previous five years as of april 9th there were homicides in the city None were reported in the same period last year. In total, there were 11 homicides in 2022, compared with 8 in 2021. And that article can be found on klkntv.com under the headline, Political Ads Spark Clash Over Lincoln Crime Statistics. And this is really writing on the national drive to portray crime as out of control, and it being the Democrats' fault. From Dennis P. Crawford, (coughs) writing on Facebook... Susan Geist is running down Lincoln in her disingenuous mayoral campaign. She is falsely depicting Lincoln as some kind of run-down, crime-infested hellhole. This could hurt the city's efforts to recruit new workers and businesses. The reality is that crime is way, way down in Lincoln. The Lincoln Journal-Star reported on October 23rd that, quote, reports of violent crime in the city have been largely stagnant for three full decades, even as Lincoln's population has grown by about 100,000 residents. Lincoln's violent crime rate, the number of violent crimes reported per 100,000 residents, has actually dropped substantially since the 1990s and early 2000s. By last year, the city's violent crime rate had been nearly cut in half down to 372 violent crimes reported per 100,000 residents, according to police data. Fellow Republican County Attorney Pat Condon recognized that reality when he ran for re-election last fall. Condon endorsed Learon's public safety record. He told the voters, quote, I mean, Lincoln generally is a safe place. <clears throat> In one of her ads, Geist made the case for a second term for Lieron. In that ad, Geist said she and her husband chose Lincoln to make their home because it is a, quote, great city. She adds her kids are doing the same. It's the only honest TV ad that Geist is running. Otherwise, she is running a campaign of lies and smears. You govern the way you campaign, That should give the voters pause. The reality is that Geist herself is a threat to public safety, since she is the gun lobby's best friend. She supports an irresponsible concealed carry bill that would allow people to pack heat without any training or background check. Geist has no business griping about crime because she refuses to take action on gun safety in the wake of one horrific mass shooting after another. Geist would flood the streets with guns and endanger our police officers. Lincoln Police Chief Teresa Ewens stated that Geist's gun bill would threaten the lives of police officers if it passed. Leron Gaylor Baird described Susan Geist's priorities as quote, too extreme unquote, for Lincoln. Quote, it's not a time to roll the dice and take a chance. Geist's legislative record might discourage young professionals from wanting to live and work in Lincoln. End quote and in a tweet from Tom Cassidy, he did post all these political ads about Lincoln's out of control crime just amuse me. The crime rate that's the number of crimes divided by the population in Lincoln is lower now than in my rookie year, 1974, and has fallen like a rock since 1990. Don't take my word for it. And in that article that was referred to from October 23rd, 2022, is violent crime rising in Lincoln? Not really, data shows. By Andrew Wegley from journalstar.com, and as I said, from October twenty third, twenty twenty three. Oh, and the phone number here is four zero two four seven four five zero eight six. If you would like to call in with any comments or opinions on comparing crime statistics and discussing causes and effects as relates to Lincoln, Nebraska, and the uh, campaign for the position of mayor, which will be voted on in the fall, this fall. After an unusually violent summer in Lincoln, where 10 people were killed between late May and early October, after there were two homicides in the preceding six months, the public safety has been scrutinized with residents enveloped in a feeling summarized by the county's top prosecutor. On the whole, I think people feel less safe in the community. I think that's true, Lancaster County Attorney Pat Condon said, noting that his own personal sense of security hadn't been rattled this summer, as he's, quote, seen a lot of things, unquote, in three decades as a prosecutor. That sentiment has been echoed across the country amid a midterm campaign cycle that has often featured Republican office seekers pinning their hopes in part on -on tough-on-crime messaging. Among them are Representatives Mike Flood, who uh, says he is seeking re-election to Congress. He was seeking re-election to Congress and was re-elected in Nebraska's 1st District, and who at a news conference Thursday offered cherry-picked crime statistics about increases in car thefts, arsons, weapons offenses, and homicides, while warning of the, quote, growing issue of crime in this community, end quote. ASLM, you you're on the air.
1: Uh, yes, I just wanted to say that it was just announced on the program of the election in November. It's not. It's in in May here, just in a few weeks. Oh,
0: <laughs> my yeah, mistake. The general,
1: the general election for off-year city elections like that are held primary in April and general election of it in May.
0: Well, thank you for correcting me on that.
1: Yeah, and then the mayor, I mean, because Len Quinzer, my good friend, our ombudsman for the past uh, 24 years... Now she took her position in June of '99 when Wesley became mayor. It's all that quick. It's like if Geist were to become mayor, God help us, um, she would be in office by June.
0: I see. I really should have had that.
1: Uh... Yeah, I just want to make sure that people know so that they go and vote, and we don't <clears throat> lose our votes.
0: And oh well, thank you for that.
1: Retain control here. For almost the last quarter of a century, Don Wesley Colleen sang three terms of Chris Beitler and now Baird. So. Okay. Okay. Thank you.
0: Well, you're welcome. And thank you for calling in about that.
1: Uh huh. Bye bye. Okay.
0: Yes, the uh, Lincoln mayoral election will be may 2nd 2023 and not this fall how embarrassing for me to not have that fact at the ready and to have forgotten exactly when the mayoral election will be well that makes it all the more urgent then to be talking about it (laughs) and thank you for calling in very much to correct me on that yeah I can prepare and prepare and have about 12 articles lined up and then forget exactly when the election is. Mm. All right, well, back to the article. Lincoln police officials have taken a different tone on the issue from uh, what uh, Mike Flood was saying with cherry-picked statistics. Quote, I will tell you, I feel very comfortable living in Lincoln, Chief Teresa Ewan said at an October 4th news conference where she announced the arrests of a 15-year-old girl and her 16-year-old boyfriend in the death of the girl's father in a crime Ewan's described as, quote, disturbing and difficult to understand. I feel it is a very safe community, the police chief said. The past five months have been undoubtedly deadly in Lincoln, which has witnessed more suspected killings since May 20th than were recorded in any full year, dating back to 2016, when there were 11 such incidents, itself an outlier as the only other double-digit total in the past three decades. But raw reports of violent crime in the city have been largely stagnant for full Three full decades, even as Lincoln's population has grown by about 100,000 residents. Well, I guess that's what it takes to have people call in, make more mistakes. Uh Anyway, phone number is 402-474-5086. If uh, you call in, obviously you'll be immediately on the air to uh, state your point of view. As a result, Lincoln's violent crime rate, the number of violent crimes reported per 100,000 residents, has actually dropped substantially since the 1990s and early 2000s, a Journal Star analysis of 30 years of violent crime data shows. Reports of violent crimes, which include homicides, aggravated assaults, robberies, and sexual assaults, have fluctuated only mildly over the years in Lincoln, where there were, were, where there were have routinely been between 900 and 1,300 reports of such crimes each year since 1990. In 1995, Lincoln's most violent year in the past three decades by violent crime rate, there were 626 violent crimes reported per 100,000 residents. By last year, the city's violent crime rate had been cut nearly in half, down to 372 violent crimes reported per 100,000 residents, according to police data. Lincoln's five most violent years in the past three decades all came between 1991 and 1996, according to violent crime rate metrics. And even individual reports of violent crime have found new lows in the past decade, according to the data. There were fewer violent crimes reported in 2021 than there were in 18 of the 19 years between 1992 and 2010. Quote There was a series of things that happened that were very high profile in the city, Assistant Police Chief Jason Still told the Journal Star referring to a stretch of violence in late May that kicked off Lincoln's deadly summer. And, quote, and so I think those in rapid succession tend to bleed over into people's thought that the city is out of control and it's a very, very dangerous place to live in. It absolutely is not. <clears throat> End quote. Uh, despite homicides, violent crime down in 2022, the decades long decrease in violent crime has continued into 2022, despite the uptick in homicides that have at times come in unsettling succession. Through the first nine months of the year, Lincoln Police fielded 724 reports of violent crime, a 13.1% decrease from 2021's year to date total, and a 9.1% percent decrease from the five-year year-to-date average dating back to 2017, according to the department data. Reports of aggravated assaults, robberies, and sexual assaults, the three types of crime that account for apparently 99% of violent crimes committed in Lincoln, have all seen decreases in 2022 compared to the five-year year-to-date average, according to the data. The exception, of course, has been homicides. Quote, I think it's chance more than anything, said Tom Cassidy, who served as Lincoln's police chief from 1994 to 2011, and was the city's public safety director until 2019. Quote, I don't think the rise in homicides is indicative of a trend. If it were a trend, you'd see it persisting over a longer period of time, and you'd see it in other kinds of violent crime, like armed robberies and aggravated assaults. And I don't think there's been a rise in of any note in other kinds of crime. Murder is a very rare crime. It doesn't happen very much. So you could have two or three events that suddenly skew the percentage increase hugely. It's just a statistical anomaly. <clears throat> a change in reporting standards. Though the police department's own public data shows a decrease in violent crime reports from 2020 to 2021, from 1,292 reports in 2020 to 1,091 such incidents last year, the FBI reports differently. After a shift in federal reporting standards that started in 2021, the FBI, which uses data sent from the police department to the Nebraska Crime Commission, and onto the federal government, tracked 1,236 incidents of violent crime in Lincoln last year, 145 more than LPD reports publicly. The differences arise in how each entity tracks crime data, still said, In Lincoln, a car break-in that results in the theft of items from within the car is counted as a single crime, but within FBI's national incident-based reporting system that tracks crime victims, the same incident would count as two separate crimes, a larceny and a vandalism. The difference matters more in violent crime reports. In Lincoln, the police department counts instances like May's shooting outside a downtown bar that injured three people as a single crime, still said. Under the new national reporting standards, that shooting will count as three aggravated assaults, one for each of the victims. What last year's NIBRS reported data means historically is unclear since neither the police department nor FBI had previously published data that tracked crimes per victim rather than per case. And, uh, anyway, I'm just going to skip the rest of this because the show is, uh, time marches on as uh, the expression went in the old newsreel films. Show. I'm just going to leave off there on this article, which if you want to read it in full, can be found on journalstar.com under the headline is violent crime rising in lincoln not really data shows and uh oh from only in yourstate.com according to fbi statistics these are the 10 most dangerous cities in nebraska and that's what I often come back to, Lincoln being the city with a Democratic mayor compared to cities in Nebraska with Republican mayors. And if there is some cause and effect to the crime rate and the politics of the mayor, well, the uh, number one uh, most dangerous city in Nebraska, at least according to this list from uh, July 31st, 2022... Number one is Omaha, number two, North Platte, three, Grand Island, four, Nebraska City, five, Scotts Bluff, and at number six, Lincoln. So several smaller towns and one larger town with higher crime rates than Lincoln. And then you have Hastings and Beatrice and Kearney and uh, Crete. and uh let's see there's another list here from uh, it says it was updated two minutes ago so it's giving statistics for april 14th 2023 this is newsjournal.com and uh reprints things from lincoln journal star <clears throat> but without the uh well you know Thing that pops up that asks you for something before you can read further if you've already read a few articles alright so the most dangerous cities in Nebraska according to this we'll go to the number one first and once again at number one Omaha you get Omaha then Grand Island and this one has Lincoln number three must be for the uh, rides and murders just this last year then north platte then south sioux city and it has those as the uh, just covers six cities okay now here's another thing that someone wrote on facebook which i thought i would go ahead and read <coughs> it's by robert d way remember back at beginning of your when I suggested that if you elect the wrong people, they would use Lincoln police force to focus on their political crusades. This was before the Trump-appointed federal judge had tried to get the day after bill banned by citing the 1873 Comstock laws. This was before the great and powerful Senator Erdman gutted the rules of the intercameral. This was before the Missouri Attorney General set up a hotline to report on medical treatment for people he, as politician, did think they should have, or did not think they should have. I wonder when and if Nebraska State Attorney Mike Hilgers will also set up one in our state. I am not from the future. I do not have inside much knowledge on what is being planned next politically. I simply believe that these politicians say when they speak, well, I simply believe what these politicians say when they speak. You think that it just it's just rhetoric to excite the base of the Republican Party, and 16 years ago you might have been correct, but that is not the case anymore. They are just talking, They're, they are not just talking, they are very serious. And if you are very serious and just a little bit clever, you know what your next step is a massive publicly funded dark money campaign to make the voters think that Lincoln is on the edge of oblivion. That accomplishes two goals. It might get you elected, and if it does, then it will make sense when you announce a bunch of new police initiatives right after you gain office and a bunch of new officers assigned to make sure they do take over the city. And uh, I'm just going to leave off on that there. It finishes by saying, uh, "Vote for whoever you want to, but believe the candidates when they express their plans for the city." And I might also add in a comment. Well, I think I'll save it, since it's now eleven thirty-one p.m. Central Daylight Time, and this is KZUM Lincoln and KZUM H. Now we get to ideology and agenda and uh, what the conservative movement really means by cuffs off the cops. That is, taking the handcuffs off the cops and seeing that as the way to having greater public safety. By which they mean to have less oversight and accountability for the police. So that they can uh, get away with uh, more brutality and skirting of the law. Does this really increase public safety? I would say uh, no know that uh, what increases public safety is to have oversight and accountability, uh, enforcing professionalism and adherence to the rules so as to gain greater public trust. Because when the public uh, does not trust the police, or at least the more the public does not trust the police, the less the public will cooperate with the police, making for a more dangerous And uh, crime-ridden situation so how to have trust and confidence in the police well can't really count on them being good apples or bad apples it's amount of uh, requiring as any law does people to be good the Justice in Policing Act an article here from June 9th 2020 by Dr. Zoom on Wonket.com. Yeah, I got around to having, oh, maybe one or two Wonket articles on this show. Dem bill to outlaw chokeholds, no-knock raids, qualified immunity for bad cops. What a bunch of Republicans. And it starts out, House Democrats introduced an important police reform bill yesterday, the Justice in Policing Act was unveiled by Speaker Nancy Pelosi and Democratic leaders. Uh, And and then it has uh, the reform package itself uh, includes a number of measures that have been long-time lost causes until maybe now. While the Justice in Policing Act doesn't erase the entire concept of policing from history, until police, uh, the bill would fix some uh, lethal blank. It would make it easier to sue police officers for civil rights abuses and for using excessive force, that uh, qualified immunity you keep hearing about. It would uh, create a nationwide publicly searchable database for police officers fired for misconduct. It would expand the Justice Department's ability to investigate allegations of police misconduct. It would give the DOJ's Civil Rights Division subpoena power for pattern and practice investigations of police departments, a type of investigation the Trump DOJ had stopped doing altogether. (coughs) And it would declare lynching a federal crime. It would end the transfer of military-grade weapons to local police departments, and it would uh, ban chokeholds and some no-knock warrants in federal policing and encourage states to do the same by withholding federal funds if they don't. Now, that did not pass. The Senate, at least not at that time, when it was a narrow uh, Senate uh, narrow margin of votes between uh, the republicans and democrats to pass anything needed uh unanimity and so it did not pass but then in uh the next year from aclu.org headline the biden administration's executive order on policing is a foundation to build upon Two years after the murder of George Floyd, a new executive order on police reform offers a starting place, but does not go far enough. And it says uh, last week, the Biden administration signed an executive order on police reform. The order comes two years after George Floyd was murdered at the hands of police in Minneapolis, which sparked nationwide protests against the violence inflicted on people by the police officers charged to serve and protect them. People took to the streets demanding action, not just to hold individual officers accountable, but also to challenge the systemic racism that has been ingrained into American policing since the country's founding. Commemorating this grim monument in American history, yet again, serves as a critical reminder of all that still needs to change to do justice in uh, George to George Floyd's memory. And uh, the countless others who have suffered from police violence outside the national spotlight. People who have been killed by police officers while leaving a convenience store, sleeping in their bed, or being pulled over for a traffic stop. And then it has a tweet here from uh, President Biden at POTUS from May 25th, 2022. I just signed an executive order that delivers the most significant police reform in decades. It will increase accountability, ban chokeholds, restrict no-knock entries, and more for federal law enforcement officers, and it incentivizes state and local officers to do the same. Now, the Executive Order Advancing Effective Accountable accountable Policing and Criminal Justice Practices to Enhance Public Safety Trust and Public Safety, that's the full name of it, represents the most substantial federal action on police reform since George Floyd's murder and comes after the Senate failed to pass the more comprehensive George Floyd Justice and Policing Act in 2021. Yet it does not go nearly far enough to save lives. Reforming the institution of policing and reimagining safety remains an urgent priority that will require brave and sustained commitment across all levels of government, as well as collaboration with communities that have been most harmed by police violence then uh, key reforms in President Biden's executive order include one improving data collection all federal law enforcement agencies will contribute to a national law enforcement accountability database record- regarding instances of police misconduct as well as submit information to the FBI related to use of force incidents I'm just going to read part of these And uh, the first few of these, since Biden can only issue an executive order affecting federal policing, just apply to federal policing. Uh, Revising use of force standards, but some do uh, go on to affect state and local policing. Revising use of force standards. All federal law enforcement agencies will revise their use of force policies to ensure they meet or exceed the standards included in the recently revised policy for the Department of Justice. Uh, Limiting the use of no-knock entries. Building upon the U.S. Department of Justice's September 2021 policy, all federal law enforcement agencies will be prohibited from the use of no-knock entries unless an agent has reasonable grounds to believe that knocking and announcing the agent's presence would create an imminent threat of physical violence to the officer and or another person. Limiting the militarization of law enforcement. Federal agencies are restricted from transferring or selling additional types of military equipment to state, local, and tribal law enforcement agencies expanding the Obama-era restriction on this practice, Uh, credentialing credentialing of police agencies. The Attorney General will develop and implement a process by which state, local, and tribal law enforcement agencies will seek accreditation by an independent entity uh, leveraging federal grants. Federal discretionary grants will be awarded to state, local, and tribal governments to encourage compliance with the executive order. This will include an assessment of what discretionary grants will be limited to the law enforcement agencies that achieve accreditation, and finally improving crisis response to include alternatives. Guidance will be issued and resources identified to support state, local, tribal, and territorial officials as they implement a range of alternative first responder modes, models to meet the needs of people experiencing a behavioral or mental health crisis persons who have disabilities and uh, the executive order also contains important provisions that improve investigations into deaths in police custody strengthen the effectiveness of patterns of practice investigations ban chokeholds and cartioid restraints except in certain circumstances where use of deadly force is authorized enhance recruitment, training, and retention practices, ensure the use of body-worn cameras by federal law enforcement officers, and advance key criminal justice reform and re-entry measures. And this article goes on for quite a ways, but we're out of time for uh, this article. And there's another one I wanted to get to, and there's just... Uh, 14 minutes left before the end of the show not including the final song so this pretending that things are really the worst in blue states and blue cities is just not true not true have uh, from newsweek.com, since this is a game they're playing everywhere, Republican cities that have higher crime rates than New York. This by Andrew Stanton from uh, April 17th, 2023 on uh, Newsweek.com. Former President Donald Trump's indictment in New York City set off a wave of Republican attacks against District Attorney Alvin Bragg, blaming him for an apparent wave of crime they say has ruined the city. However, New York's crime rate is notably lower than many large U.S. cities, including those run by Republicans. GOP critics have sought to blame crime in New York and other Democratic-led cities on progressive criminal justice reform policies, embraced by many on the left amid a nationwide increase in property crime. On Monday, the Republican House Judiciary Committee traveled to Manhattan for a hearing on the city's crime. The hearing was intended to, quote, examine how Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg's pro-crime and anti-victim policies have led to an increase in violent crime and a dangerous community for New York City residents the committee said in a statement (coughs) headlines about brutal crimes in new york and other large cities have dominated conservative media in recent months however new york city's crime rate remains lower than many cities led by republicans according to data compiled by newsweek what does crime in new york city look like New York recorded 488 homicides during 2021, which is indeed an increase from previous years. Murders in New York declined in the years prior to the COVID-19 pandemic. Bottoming out in 2017, they again dropped in 2022 to 438. Meanwhile, the city also recorded 38,645 violent crimes and 64,096 property crimes, According to New York Police Department data, this equates to roughly 5.76 murders, 456 violent crimes, and 757 property crimes per 100,000 residents in 2021. But what about crime in GOP-led cities? Many GOP-led cities reported a higher crime rate than New York during that same year. Oklahoma City, for instance, reported 11.92 murders, 627 violent crimes, and 3,716 property crimes for every 100,000 residents, according to crime data compiled by the Federal Bureau Bureau of Investigations, the FBI. Miami had uh, 10.68 murders. 615 violent crimes, and 3,044 property crimes per capita. Other GOP-led cities with higher murder rates than New York in 2021 include Jacksonville, Florida, Fresno, California, Omaha, Nebraska. Yes, we uh, have Omaha in the headlines for uh, being a dangerous city with a high murder and crime rate. Uh, Colorado Springs, uh, Colorado, and Tulsa, Oklahoma, Fort Worth, uh, Texas. And uh, let's see, how much further should I go in this article? Uh, oh, it has a list here of the most uh, dangerous cities in the U.S., uh, number one, St. Louis, Missouri. Number two, Mobile, Alabama. Number three, Birmingham, Alabama. Number four, Baltimore, Maryland. Then uh, Memphis, Tennessee. Detroit, Michigan. Cleveland, Ohio. New Orleans, Louisiana. Shreveport, Louisiana. Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Little Rock, Arkansas. Oakland, California. Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Kansas City, Missouri. And uh, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. A lot of cities in red states there. Uh, and let's see, here's another list of the most dangerous cities in the U.S. from uh, worldpopulationreview.com. And it has as the most dangerous cities has, uh Detroit at Michigan, number one, then Memphis, Tennessee, Birmingham, Alabama, Baltimore, Maryland, St. Louis, Missouri, Kansas City, Missouri, Cleveland, Ohio, Little Rock, Arkansas, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and then uh, Stockton, California. Then, going over to the most dangerous states. Uh, what are the most dangerous states? Number one, Louisiana. The most dangerous state. Number two, Mississippi. Uh, three, Texas. Then, Arkansas, Oklahoma, Montana, Alabama. Florida, Missouri, and Tennessee. Then the states with the highest homicide rates. uh, Dangerous takes in a lot of different things. Homicide just takes in murder. Uh, Number one murder state, still, Louisiana. Number two, Missouri, then Nevada, Maryland, Arkansas, Alaska, Alabama, Mississippi, Illinois, and uh, South Carolina. Well, we've got uh, Illinois as a blue state. Uh, Some purple states, uh, Nevada, Maryland. I guess that's a blue state, but uh, all the rest uh, with the highest homicide rate uh, would be those uh, red states. Hmm. And then have uh, gun ownership by state, and there's a lot of overlap there, but... uh, it's not a straight line. There are sparsely populated rural states with the uh, homogeneously ethnic uh, populations, such as Wyoming or Montana, with uh, high rates of gun ownership, but not so high a rate of homicide. But then on the other hand, you have states with high gun ownership, with a very high level of homicide, such as... Uh, Alaska, Louisiana, <clears throat> Mississippi, Arkansas, Missouri. Anyway, when it comes to crime, you suppose this promotion of uh, firearms. Now, I've often said, what's needed is education. The lies they tell, John Lot, liar. Uh, that's L O T T, lot of lies. Makes up things. That's why he's the go-to guy for their statistics on uh, more guns, less crime. When actually the opposite is true. More guns, more crime. It's only logical that the more firearms you have around, the more chances there are of people getting shot or shooting themselves. Most of them not uh, even intending to do so. But uh, then there they go. A good guy with a gun right up to the moment when they become a bad guy with a gun and often get arrested a couple stories on that that i have here a 20 year old woman was shot and killed after her friend turned into the wrong driveway in upstate new york officials say spy lorelei and bryn ingrass of cnn from april 18th 2023 A 20-year-old woman was shot and killed Saturday after she and three others accidentally turned into the wrong driveway while looking for a friend's house in rural upstate New York, authorities say. The woman, identified as Kaylin Gillis, was a passenger in a vehicle when a man, 65-year-old Kevin Monahan, fired two shots from his front porch, Washington County Sheriff Jeffrey Murphy said in a news conference Monday. One of the shots hit the vehicle and struck Gillis, the sheriff said. Quote, it's a very rural area with dirt roads. It's easy to get lost. They drove up this driveway for a very short time, realized their mistake, and were leaving when Mr. Monahan came out and fired two shots, the sheriff said, adding that the area has poor cell phone service. Monahan has been charged with second degree murder in connection with her death, Murphy said. He was arraigned Sunday on the murder charge, his attorney told CNN. A bail hearing is pending for Tuesday or Wednesday, the district attorney and defense attorney both said. The shooting happened just days after a black teenager in Kansas City was shot twice by a white homeowner after going to the wrong address to pick up his siblings. In that case, Andrew Lester, 84, opened fire on 16-year-old, Ralph Yari, as the teen stood at Lester's front door before any words had been exchanged, according to a probable cause document obtained by CNN. Lester, who told police he thought the teen was trying to break in, faces two felony charges in a case that touches on so-called stand-your-ground laws, the proliferation of firearms, and racial bias. Well, anyway, that's all the time we have for this evening. This has been the Servative Hour. Thank you very much for listening. And, uh, yes, the uh, mayoral election is May 2nd, Tuesday, 2023. And good night to you all.